What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. If you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face on a Wednesday night at our main Park West campus. Make sure to check us out on social media at Oasis PWC to stay up to date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the Oasis family. I hope that you enjoy this week's message. Let's jump in. All right, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to preach the word. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 43. We've been in a sermon series the last couple weeks titled, It's All Good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. It's all good. No, like, you know the drill. Like, high pitch, like it's all good. Say, it's all good. That was a little too high pitched. That was just uncomfortable. It was Alvin the Chipmunks high pitch. I didn't mean for it to get there, but it's all good. The first week we talked about change. Growth doesn't happen without change. And sometimes change is caused by good things. Sometimes it's caused by bad things, but change is always an opportunity for growth. Amen. Come on. Amen. Then last week we talked about in light of change and all that's going on in this stage of life, your emotions can get thrown all over the place. Sometimes just not getting to see your friend group as often as you used to can make you feel lonely, alone. All the things can hit really heavily in your emotions at the same time. So last week, our kind of take home point was do not allow the enemy to steal the excitement of this new season by lying to you about your self-worth. You matter. You are loved. Turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. No, like you mean it. Like you really like the person next to you. You matter. You better not be hitting on anybody right now. Better not be. (laughs) But tonight, tonight, we're going to do our third and final week of the It's All Good sermon series. If you're a note taker in the room, the title for tonight's message is Amazing Things. Amazing Things. God is doing big things, great things, amazing things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43. It's our verse for this series. In verse 19, God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Amazing things. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness to meet us right where we are. So God, for every individual in the room, including myself, whether we've been here for a long time or it's our first time in a while or our first time ever, I ask that you would would love on your kids tonight that this would be an encouraging word, that we would experience the love of God and the power of the gospel tonight and gain five extra friends in the process. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Where, uh, do we have any, anybody that's prone to injuries in the room? Like that person that like you trip sitting still, you know what I'm saying? You just always hurt yourself. Man, I managed to sprain my ankle about a month and a half ago in the most ridiculous way possible. I really wish it was a cool story. It's not a cool story. We were playing disc golf. Automatically, all coolness removed as soon as I say that statement, right? We were playing, we were playing disc golf. We played all 18 holes. I didn't even win. And then we were done and we're putting around on this last basket and one of my discs stood up on the side and started rolling down the hill away from me. So like an idiot, I took off running. And you know, what happens is if your foot doesn't hit great on a hill, whoop, that thing rolled on me and popped something awful. Uh, 
It hurt so bad, I was so angry because it was the day before Easter. It was the Saturday before Easter. And it's the Super Bowl of Sunday morning services, right? Like I am so excited for Easter Sunday. I'm gonna get to sing on the praise and worship team. We're here, we're ready for it. Saturday night comes around and I'm laying on the couch with a big old ice pack and as much ibuprofen as my body could handle, trying to get the swelling to come down. I was so mad. Sometimes... Things happen at really inconvenient times. Great things can come around at really inconvenient times. Now, if you are prone to injury, you better just be careful because something's happening with ankles right now. Because two weeks after that, Jordan Brown, who usually plays drums, rolled his ankle. Same thing, popped like crazy. It was the weekend he was going on vacation. So he had to deal with this big boot he was carrying on. A week and a half after I rolled mine, I went to Universal with a bunch of people from the high school ministry. We were there the moment it opened and we stayed till the moment it closed. I walked Lord knows how many miles on a sprained ankle. By the time I got back, they were so, my ankle was throbbing. It was yelling at me so loud. It was so upset. There is nothing worse than a sprained ankle or a broken wrist or getting sick or anything like that in a moment when something good is happening. But sometimes great things in life happen at the most inconvenient times. Man, what does it look like for life transitions, like where we are right now, this 18 to 25, 18 to 30? What does it look like when you're so busy and everything going on around you is crazy, but God puts a calling on your life at the same time? I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. It's one of the first few books of the Bible. Um, the context here, just to give a, let's get a really broad brush of what's happening in the Old Testament. God calls this man, Abraham. He says, you will be my son. I'll be your God. He starts walking in covenant with Abraham. And this promise goes to Abraham's kids and his kids and his kids and on. And the Lord tells him, you're going to have as many children as the stars in the sky. This is where this Israelite promise of this, this blessing for the Israelite people. And that's exactly what happens. Abraham has a kid who has a kid who has more kids and they keep having kids. And then a couple hundred years later, there's this nation. And you watch through the Old Testament, this ebb and flow of their relationship with God. And there's times when they're walking in this covenant with God exactly like they were supposed to. And the blessings are just crazy. God provides for them left and right. And it's incredible. And then there's times where they disown God and they go off in their own direction. And God takes his hand of blessing off of them. And they end up as slaves in different places. And a whole bunch of stuff goes down. But when God gives them this promise that they would be a great nation, he also gives them a promise that there is a land that is going to be theirs. They're not just going to be a homeless nation. There is a promised land for them to go to. So if you've ever heard somebody talk about the promised land, that's what's happening is God has promised Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and the whole nation of the Israelites that they are going to enter into the promised land as a great nation and walk hand in hand in covenant with God. Well, as the story goes on, they end up as slaves in Egypt. God raises up a man named Moses. Moses comes in and is, plays a massive part in getting them free from the slavery in Egypt. Then they go across this lake river area into this massive desert and immediately they mess up and show no faith. So they roam around in the desert for years and years and years. 
Now, where we are in Deuteronomy chapter 34, this is the last book or the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. What's happened is they've come through, they have been in the desert, and while they were there, God gave Moses some super specific rules and, and guidelines for what he needed to do for miracles to take place, for food to fall from the sky and water from this rock, and a bunch of stuff goes down in these first couple chapters of Deuteronomy, so you should totally go read it. But by this point, Moses has disobeyed some of what God said. Because of that, God has told him, man, the Israelites are gonna go into that promised land, but you're not going with them. Now, all of this unfolds. I just gave you like years, hundreds of years of context really, really quickly, but it's because I want you to understand the importance of the passage of scripture that we're about to read. God takes Moses up to this mountaintop and he tells him to look over and he shows him all the nations across the Jordan and they see Jericho and a handful of other places. And he says, that's the land I promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that's the, it's a total Lion King moment, right? He takes them up to this mountaintop and they look over everything the light touches, my son, <laughs> right? Total Lion King moment. He said, that is what I have promised to my kids. But Moses, you're, you're not gonna go with them. And there on the mountaintop, Moses passes away. In chapter 34, starting in verse five. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Man, what a hard moment this must have been for the Israelites. This is the guy that led them out of slavery in Egypt. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of time in the, the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy where there was a whole bunch of stuff that goes down, where the Israelites took for granted that God took them out of slavery in Egypt and they disrespected God and Moses time after time after time. But Moses is like the spiritual dad. He's the pastor of this group. He has been their leader, their friend, their mentor this entire time. When they needed food, they went to Moses and Moses would pray on their behalf and it would happen. And now he's gone. And everything changes. But look at how quickly things move to this next part. Verse nine, the very next verse. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hand on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So it must have been crazy to have been in the Israelite community just then to have lost Moses. But let's talk about Joshua because Joshua just lost his spiritual father, his mentor and his friend. And now he's in charge. Immediately, this crazy transition goes down. And Joshua is given a promotion into his calling, into what God planned for him to walk in at the most inconvenient time possible. His best friend, leader, father figure, spiritual mentor passed away and that's the cause of his promotion to walk into the calling he's supposed to. The only thing I can compare it to is like football, right? Like we've all seen the old school, high school football, college football movies where somehow they made it to the national championship. There's two minutes left. We're down by one touchdown. It's about to go down. And the, the first string quarterback manages to break his leg. 
And there's this really serious moment. And in the movies, it's all dramatized. And we're all excited. We're like, put the second guy in, right? And the music plays. And the guy comes in from the background and he's ready. And he throws this crazy Hail Mary and they score the touchdown and they win and everybody goes crazy. But in the midst of all of this, you've got a second string quarterback that got his shot because the first string guy went down. The transition of all of that is crazy. Joshua is having to deal with the heartache, the emotion and the craziness of all the transition that's going on around him while simultaneously being excited that he's getting to step into who God has called him to be. I wanna ask you tonight, do you feel like you've been put on the bench? Do you feel like you've been waiting and have no idea what God has in store for your life? Does it feel like things in your life aren't going great? And does it feel like things are falling apart? Well, you better watch out because in Joshua's case, these things were the precipice for him stepping into the calling on his life. Second Timothy chapter four says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Let me read you the passion translation. Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it's not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Can I just say it like I want to tonight? It's time. If you've been waiting on on a moment where God said, hey, it's time to straighten some things up, here you go. It is time. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time. It's time for some young people to get serious. We come in here on Wednesday nights and we've talked a lot lately about, man, what would it look like if the UT Vols campus got so on fire for Jesus that when people started looking at coming here, they knew they were gonna have to deal with all the crazy Jesus people. And it may seem like so far-fetched and whatever to some people in the room, especially to some of you that are there at UT, but you have no idea how many on fire people there are at UT right now. And it may not be the thing on the poster board, but there's revival happening on campus all over the place. So what if? It ain't gonna happen unless we get serious about what we believe. This is more than a Wednesday thing. This is an everyday choice to live for Jesus because of what he has done for you. It may not feel like a convenient time to be fully committed, but I don't want you to miss out on what God is doing. I know you're working two jobs. I know school is crazy. I know the family drama is all over the place. But man, I don't want you to miss what God is doing right now. Don't get so stuck like this, just trying to do what's right in front of you, that you miss out on the revival that's taking place all around you. And let me tell you why, because it ain't about you anyway. Do you realize that Joshua's calling was to lead a nation into something God had promised generations before? A nation. He didn't just have to step into his calling at an inconvenient time. His calling involved the responsibility of leading other people into their freedom, leading other people into their promised land. Mm. This group is not a random group of followers. This is a group of world changers. And you may not know that. You may not believe that. 
But I've talked to the majority of you. I've heard your heart. I've prayed with a lot of you. I know the stuff that's stirring in you and how unsatisfied you are with the just day-to-day stuff. Man. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time. It's time. Your calling is bigger than you. And your obedience may be the key to leading someone out of their addiction, shame, oppression, and depression. It is time. Joshua is met with a massive responsibility at a time that is so incredibly inconvenient. I really, I do get it. I know you're busy, but. But the calling of God on your life will rise up at whatever time God says for it to rise up. And it may very well be incredibly inconvenient for you. So Joshua, now chapter two and chapter three of Joshua, the very next book, he's the guy now, right? We go from Deuteronomy and Moses passes away and now Joshua's in charge and he is looking at this land that God has promised them. You go across the Jordan and then there's Jericho and these other lands. And if you've ever read the story or heard the story of the walls of Jericho, that's coming up in a couple chapters. Because Joshua sends these two spies over and he tells them to go through the city of Jericho, go through these cities and see if this is something we can handle. See if we can take the land that God has said that he's going to give to us. And man, do you know what's so cool about this? Is it's a beautiful picture of what should have happened years before. Because years before, Moses leads them out of Egypt into the desert. They send 12 spies over this time and all except for Joshua and Caleb come back terrified. They come back into the desert and they tell Moses, there is no way we can do this. And that lack of faith is what leaves them just wandering around in the desert for years. But now Joshua's in charge and he has an opportunity to send these two spies over and they come back and they say, this is it, we've got it. The same place, the same area, the same group of people, but these two had faith. And what's incredible is this group gets an opportunity to show the faith that the generation before them failed to show. This group gets to lead a generation into a promised land, into a freedom that the generation before them failed to step into. I think there's some generational stuff. If you've ever heard pastors talk about generational sins, it's a real thing. If you've got parents and grandparents that struggled with anger, that's probably why you rage sometimes. Anger, lust, insecurity, anxiety, fear, depression, it's generational. You watch it all the time. It happens all the time. But what if this generation walks into the promised land? What if this generation looks over and says, no, 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 no. We can take that land because God said we can take that land. So I'm going to go take it. And then you and your kids and your children's kids get to be free of the stuff that's passed down generation to generation. Sorry, that may be too big. Mm. The spies come back and they tell Joshua, man, God's in this. God's in this. So let's go. Joshua packs up the crew. All right, let's go. Gets his army together. Gets everybody in front of him. Again, to the the football side. It's like the halftime talk. The coach gets everybody together. And listen to what Joshua says to the the whole group. Because I'm telling you, God is saying this to us tonight. And I I can't even handle it. Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. 
I'm going to read it again. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Somebody say amen. amen. When the spies go into Jericho and these two guys go through, <laughs> at this point, Jericho has heard about the Israelites that have been wandering around in the desert. And they're terrified. They realize, maybe even more so than the rest of the Israelites, what they're capable of. So the spies go over. There's a woman named Rahab who's a prostitute that hides these two guys to keep them safe while the Jericho leadership is looking for them. She has this conversation where she says, no, look, we already know what's coming. We know God's on your side. We're all talking about it. Just let me and my family live. And even this woman who has zero connection with them gets to be a part of this story of the fulfillment of the promise for God's people simply because she acknowledged what God was doing and got in line with it. You better get in line with it. Come on, you better get in line with it. God is doing something. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time. Like you mean it with a Southern accent like I did. Say, it's time. Lord, help me. I feel this. God, whatever you do, just let me be in the room. Whatever you do, just let me be here. You see, sometimes in a Christian world, we get all caught up in this thing, and especially in the church. We get all caught up in what it looks like to serve God. And we think, you know, we, we see these, these big name pastors. We think, man, I need a revelation from the Lord. I need, I need to open this Bible and have God audibly speak so I can preach to the nations. But most of the time, God's not looking for your insight. He's looking for your obedience. And it's the little moments. It's the little things. It's choosing not to lessen your character at moments when it would be convenient to. It's choosing to get in the word and to get up and to pay attention. I'm, this is not a works thing. Hear me. If you're saved, you're saved. I'm not trying to say that, that you have to do this, 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 and this to get into heaven. Jesus is the way into heaven. Amen? Amen. What I'm saying is there's a revival happening. You could get to play a part in. I believe God has called you to be a part of it. So don't miss out on this. Don't miss out on this. Amen. Come on. Like you see it like I do. Even if you don't, God is doing something. Man, God's doing something. I believe this is the word for us tonight. I know things have been crazy. I know 2020 was a trip and a half. I know there have been hardships and there has been legitimate loss. I know we've all been busy. I know things have been all over the place. I know, period. But do not change your character in the midst of inconvenient circumstances. Don't be thrown about by the waves and the wind in the emotions and the mess of it. I know it hasn't been easy, but stand firm and step up into the calling on your life, even if it's not ideal timing. Why? Because tomorrow, God is gonna do amazing things. Tomorrow, God is gonna do amazing things. And my goodness, I hope he finds me paying attention. I know people have church hurt and it's real. I know humans have let some people down and it gives God a really bad name. I get all of that, but my goodness, I want to be right in the middle of whatever he's about to do. And he's going to use the church to do it. So God, heal hearts, including my own. Help me get so excited 
for whatever you're doing that I just don't care. Hmm. Will you stand with me? Shoo. Joshua 3, 5. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, I'm doing a new thing and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. There is a calling on your life. God, let me be pastor for a second. I know some of you I just met for the first time tonight, but if you'll give me the grace to, to talk like a, a trustworthy big brother for a minute, there is a calling on your life even if you don't see it. And life is real and stuff happens and I get that. And I'm not disregarding that there is a need in the room for some hearts to be healed, for some grace to be shown. Let's be real, maybe for some therapy to be had. Because stuff happens. I get that. I totally get that. But do not settle in anything less than God's perfect will. Don't settle. We're walking into the sanctuary on Sunday morning and seeing drug addicts that have OD'd the week before get baptized. We're seeing stuff that's like, you, you can't make this stuff up. This is like God is reaching in to lives that are broken and bringing it back. We have families that have moved here from all over the country. I've met four or five families in the last two weeks from all the way in California, from Pennsylvania, from down in Florida, from all over the place because they have heard the voice of the Lord say something is happening in Knoxville. So God help me consecrate myself so that tomorrow when you do amazing things, I can be in the room. I don't, whatever that looks like, just let me be in the room, amen? Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. First and foremost, if you're in the room tonight and you say, Caleb, that's all fine and dandy, and I can tell you're super excited about whatever is going on, but I don't know that I have even experienced this love of Jesus, will you just throw a hand up for me with nobody looking around? If you're in the room and you'd say, I've been sleeping on this thing a little bit. I've been busy. I've even been doing good things. I've been trying to keep up with homework. I've been loving my family and friends. I've been navigating my way through life, but I have been sleeping on the Lord. If that's you, would you throw a hand up for me? Yeah, hands up all around the room. Hands up all around the room. If you're comfortable, will you just lift your hands? all around the room. God, I know it sounds like a kind of backwards prayer, but we want to want you. I, I want to want to read the word more than I do. I want to see people the way you see people. I want to read the word and believe everything that's in it. I, I want to be on fire for you. I want to be more excited. I want to be more committed. I want to be more passionate. I want to be more real about this very real faith. So God, stir something inside of us to be so overwhelmingly satisfied with the status quo that we couldn't just go to work anymore. God, if it looks like making school harder for some people to get us to put it down for a second, to get in the word for a second. 
But I'm not talking about procrastination. I'm talking about priorities. God, I thank you that the individuals in this room are called. They are anointed. So tonight I just say, come on with it. Come on with it. Fan into flame. As Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame. The anointing, the calling on your life. Don't waste any more time. Don't piddle in dumb relationships. Don't waste time playing games. Because what God has in store is so much better. Oh my gosh, it's so much better. So God, give us a willingness. Give us a willingness tonight to step into our calling, even at an inconvenient time. Give us boldness like you gave Joshua boldness to step into whatever you've called us to walk in, even if it doesn't feel right at first. Boldness, empowerment, and a fresh move of your Holy Spirit. I ask for it and I declare it boldly over this congregation. God, let an identity that we are called, we are loved, we matter, settle so deep in this group. (laughs) I love you, Lord, and I thank you for this group. I speak favor and blessing and anointing in abundance over this group and the families that they represent, that physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, they would be blessed and hot favored in Jesus' name.